This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. They asked us to pee our pants again. So then we went out and they're like, we we did this bit. We peed our pants a second time for the And that camera. didn't make so, the cut of uh, your documentary that they asked you. <laughs> that's when we thought, oh, may, wait, maybe this will get on the show. You know, yeah. like if, if they're shooting this like post <laughs> like wrap up of us peeing our pants again, or maybe they're just pranking us to pee our pants again. I don't know. But well, we did have to walk back to the hotel, right? You know, we, they got us kind of the, the idea was let's have you walk out dejected. And she goes, and do you think you, she's British? Do you think you could? <laughs> you could uh, uh peter pants again We're like yeah we could go again and so we did and then like that was it that was us walking out and then we just walked straight from there a block to our hotel with piss soaked pants my name is joe pickett and i'm one of the curators of the found footage festival hey this is nick pruer i am the other curator of the found footage fest yes that is the voice of nick and joe of the found footage festival and you've tuned into another episode of Comedy History 101, where we school you in comedy. I am Harmon Leon. Hello. <laughs> I think I oversold that. More like, hello, I'm Harmon Leon. And today we are going to dive into an episode on the history of the Found Footage Festival, most particularly their new documentary, Choppin' Steel, which I have seen twice. We're going to talk about their love of collecting VHS tapes and their live show. Their appearance on America's Got Talent that went horribly wrong on purpose. And most particularly, something close to my heart, infiltrating TV shows. Hooray! But before we jump into the episode, a quick plug. I wrote and produced an episode of the podcast 99% Invisible which just dropped this week. The episode is called Devil in the Detail, and it chronicles how police were trained in the 80s and 90s how to spot satanic crimes, which basically were non-existent. So you can check it out wherever you get your fine podcasts. That is, once again, an episode I wrote and produced for 99% Invisible. Also, take some time to like, subscribe, and comment on Comedy History 101, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, on October 13th, Friday night, 7 p.m., at the Red Room, above the KGB bar, in Lower East Side of Manhattan, I'll be producing my show, Tale, NYC's Finest Storytelling. So come on out for that, and you can find out all this information at Harmon Leon on the social medias. And now, without further ado. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. I'm trying to use the phone. Excuse me. Comedy History 101. What, say, four, five elements makes for a good found footage video? There's a few things. I mean, one has to be unintentionally funny, you know, whatever it was trying to do, it has to uh, have failed at in some kind of interesting way. Uh, that's that's the main criterion. 
but uh anything that involves um a celebrity we know that's going to be a solid clip anything that involves a uh corporate training that's another thing we love rapping in corporate training that's a yes every single time um what one big one grill skills yes oh yeah grill (laughs) skills like that's the pinnacle Um, everything no but the biggest one i think for us is that we don't take anything from the internet so like everything that we find for our live shows has to be found physically in hand uh in our collection so i don't know it just kind of cheapens it if you just take a link that somebody's passed around a million times and and so like we we take great pride in curating our very own show from our very own collection yeah, I think like if you go see our volume 10 show on, on the road, it's all stuff you can't find on the internet, which is even rarer these days. It I think makes it even more special that it's all stuff that hasn't made the rounds. So, and, and we give way too much attention to these videos that, you know, both like like McSee, like the, the McDonald's training video guy. He uh he had no idea that that even existed. And so but we had watched it a million hours of it. So, yeah, we give we give way too much attention to these videos that just like are in garbage cans. Yeah, I remember we found one at like a thrift store. It was like a home movie and it was like this family talent show in their living room. Yes. <laughs> it was yes. like every member did an act and it was like we were just obsessed by it. And yes. it was just like not meant for public viewing right and that's, it's like yeah, again that's the gold we're looking obsessed for. about the uh backstory of the family and things so it's like yeah that's I think the best that, part yeah i yeah. think that home movies you have that whole voyeurism too like I, we, we've sat through the most boring home movies on earth but there's still some sort of voyeuristic pleasure of like seeing this thing that wasn't meant for a public audience so i think that's the one other criteria uh we could mention is that these are things that weren't meant for uh, to be shown on a big screen anywhere. Our videos were not, are not movies. They're things like exercise videos, home movies, like you were talking about Harmon training videos and things that are basically meant for an audience of one in a living room. So that's a break room or something. They're a break room. Yeah. So that's why like, it's fun for us to put them in a context they were never intended for. What would be on your all-star dream team? Like if you had to pick like four, or so through all the years, through all 10 volumes. Uh, my favorite are these uh, industrial safety videos uh, put out by this insurance company called Federated Mutual. And like whenever they'd have, you know, whenever they'd like, uh, you'd be insured by this company, you'd have to watch this video, the safety video, basically about like, don't get hurt. And here are different ways that you can get hurt. So they had all these reenactments of people getting hurt over and over and over again. It's absolutely brilliant. And I got it when I was working at a video duplication house right out right after college. And I I would always make extra copies for myself. So I like got the entire collection of these videos. And so those those are always very near and dear to my heart because they're so good and they're always just so just crowd pleasers. They're just relentless too. They're like really violent too. I just I love them so much. It's so, slapstick. Uh, yeah, Federated Mutual Insurance would be my number one. I, I think like if we had the Mount Rushmore, it'd be like Federated Mutual Insurance, McSee, the McDonald's training oh, yeah. video. I think uh, the magical rainbow sponge Deep would be running. up there. Yeah. Um, and uh, what? Oh, and video mate the the video oh, dating yeah. video from 1987 of guys in bad sweaters trying to uh, pitch themselves <laughs> to in, potentially interested women. That that's another. Well, and you, and you know, in volume ten, we we tracked down the guy who created. Do you know that video dating video? Yeah. Carmen, have you seen that before? Yes. Yeah. So so uh, we tracked down the guy who created it. 
And we had heard a rumor that they had made the women's version of it. And uh, I asked him, he's like, yeah, I, I did it, but I never mass distributed. I just have it on a beta tape and it's in my storage locker in Burbank. And I was like, can you get it? And he's like, yeah, I think I'm running down there next week. So maybe I'll grab it. Five years go by and I'm hounding this guy every six months to, <laughs> to bring me this tape. And finally, we got it like three months ago and we're showing it in our new volume 10 show. It's the women's version of video wow. dating. And it's, it's just as good as the men's <laughs> or just as bad, however you want to look at it. Yeah. And, and how, how, how's your show evolved over the years? Cause again, I, I, I met you guys yeah. back in San Francisco. I think that now you're volume just, 10. Yeah. It's just that this is our, uh, in April, it'll be our 20th anniversary of the first show we did. So two decades later, I think we've just, we've kind of been rewarded for taking things too far, <laughs> you know? So we do that now. There's always a, um, not a pressure, but now we have a little, few more resources to, uh, you know, like fly down and go meet somebody that we've tracked down or, um, and the other thing is we've, we've even gotten the freedom to insert ourselves more into it. I think at the beginning, it was very much about the videos, but in doing the YouTube show and just sort of being like the elder statesman of the VHS community now, like we can talk about, insert our own uh, lives and opinions and personalities a little more. Um, so I think those are things people will see. Um, and, and that sort of, what helped evolve that too is doing a weekly internet show because now people kind of know our individual personalities we, yeah. and things like that. Yeah, we have 11, I think it's about 11,000 VHS tapes. It's somewhere around there, like no doubles, all 11,000 VHS tapes in our office in, in uh, Gowanus, Brooklyn. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm more like, I like the filth and I like the tedium aspect of things. Nick does not like the filth or the tedium. So I kind <laughs> of steer that part of the found footage ship and then uh nick yeah. uh had nick what's your stuff like you well, like, like i like puppets i like um hunks magic. and babes you like uh yeah hunks you and like babes. the sexual you like the more sexual stuff uh yeah i think most people do actually um <laughs> but uh yeah so like we each have our tastes and we acknowledge that in the show now and um we even have our first non-vhs clip in in volume 10 where um you know in addition at thrift stores maybe you did this too Herman, but mm -hmm. like in the 90s, we would start finding VHS tapes there and not movies because those were still precious. It was the things like uh, beard trimmer instructional tapes and the hair club for men tape they would send you for free. And, you know, and but also um, answering machines were showing up because the digital answering machines were the new thing. So the ones with those mini cassettes were at thrift stores and we just pop the tapes out of them and pocket them because they didn't wouldn't even sell the tapes so, and we'd listen to them while we were on the road too we just yeah. listen to people's messages the whole time oh wow and, uh, yeah usually they're pretty boring but sometimes you'd get a gem every so often and yeah. uh, we were in minneapolis we became pals with this other video collector but he also collected answer machine tapes he's like you have to hear the dorothy recording Ooh. and he he had found this one and he he played it for us and our jaws hit the goddamn floor like it was just unbelievable it's three minutes exactly and it's a candid conversation between two women and you know like when you would you remember answer machine tape days like you'd pick up the phone late it would still record your conversation and it recorded this exactly three minute conversation and it is a goddamn roller coaster it's just it's a woman's harrowing experience with diarrhea that's being recounted oh beat by beat to the woman on the other line and uh <laughs> and so but you know how do you do that visually well joe uh, basically took a bunch of watermarked images from like getty and whatever else to tell, tell the, five and, yeah, yeah to help tell the story yeah. so 
it's another thing we're branching off into, you know, other found physical media, finding ways to do that. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Quick footnote before we jump into the next segment. Complete amateur move. I was so ramped up in my conversation with Nick and Joe, and I just love hearing their stories, that I, 15 minutes into the interview, realized I forgot to push record. <laughs> so, so that first 15 minutes is lost to the ethers. But to bring you up to speed... Nick and Joe have a new documentary out called Chop and Steel that follows their antics posing as fake strongmen who infiltrate morning TV shows and in turn end up getting sued by the media company who owns a series of TV stations that they infiltrated as Chop and Steel. So with that in mind, Let's get back to the conversation already in progress. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. The morning news shows is what really set that all in motion. Yeah. And so uh, I, I was like, oh, this is a pretty good story right here. And uh, so I called up Ben Steinbauer and I was like, hey, we're getting sued right now in federal court. Do you want to? Do you want to uh, follow us? And he's like, yes, I'll be right there. So he grabbed the camera. And, and our, our lawyer, you brought up our lawyer before, Anderson. Like, we found him through a friend of a friend. And I, I he was still pretty new at the time. He was still a pretty new lawyer. But then we hit it off right away because this is he's – a, he's a former punk rock kid. Like, he uh, – you know, he squatted in a when he was going to law school. He squatted in a you know a house with a bunch of other punk guys. And I remember my first conversation with him. He was like, "You know how like in these punk houses, everybody has like a guy named Skillet in the house, like in these punk rock houses." And I was like, "Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about." And he's like, "Our house had two Skillets. We had two guys <laughs> named Skillet in our house." And this is like our first conversation with him to be our lawyer. And we're like, oh boy, is he going to be a good lawyer? Uh, he roomed with two guys named Skillet, um, but he turned exactly out to be the a kind of lawyer. lawyer we needed. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's like my experience of just infiltrating TV shows is you do the job because you're there to entertain the people watching. So like when people watch you guys with the yo-yo champion or chop and steel, and then you said there was like one news station when you turned up to uh, infiltrate where they just went, nah. Yeah, there was one <laughs> in, in uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. We had two that morning. We had one at like yeah. 5.30 in the morning and one at 6.30 in the morning. And the one at 5.30 a.m., we went in there and the producer looked at us and he's like, ah, you guys don't really look like strongmen. He just said that to our face. And we dressed in layers so that we looked a little bit bigger <laughs> than we were. And we walked in with a cinder block and a sledgehammer and stuff like that. So we had the props and we, you know, made ourselves look bigger than we were. But he's like, you guys don't really look like strongmen. And we're like, well, we are. So uh, he's like, I'm going to go talk to my producer. And he went back in the back room and then came back. He's like, we're not going to have you guys on. So he he did his homework. I mean, he didn't do his homework, but like. He looked at us and, and said no. So good on him. But then we just went across the street to the other station and <laughs> that one that that one went just as well. So yeah. 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 But I think it's again, it's like from infiltrating these places, it's like you're creating entertainment for people. You know, when they turn it on in the morning and they go, Do you know what I saw this morning? You know, you're you're that. Yes. So you're doing the job of what they want. Is it yes. create something that people will talk about? 
And even right. if it's something false, yeah. they'll still talk about it. <laughs> I, after we did one of them in uh, Allentown, we did one. We went to a Panera afterwards to get breakfast. And somebody was in Panera and was just like, hey, I loved your uh, appearance this morning. Like somebody had actually watched it. They're like, it was really it was really funny. So like, I don't know. People are laughing while they're watching their channel. How bad can it be? Like, you know, we're, we're doing them a favor, if you ask me. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to use the phone. When I infiltrated, like I did things like create police fake arrest reports, <laughs> and shit like that. Like this one, it was this show called Lie Detector. Or they oh, I remember up. that you, sh you yeah. showed that on our show. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Again, I think brilliant. you've seen all the clips, like yes. uh, on uh, on your show. So the the you know it was like the ad was like you know have you been arrested? Do you want to prove that you've been wronged in a case? You know to prove something to your parole officer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like and they go great you're on just send us your police arrest report so i i just like downloaded courtney loves arrest report from smoking gun and mix it with like david crosby's weapon arrest report <laughs> and oh, then divided it in photoshop and just sent it off <laughs> and they're okay thanks okay great come we're flying you out <laughs> so That's that i took. think yeah. i that might cross a legal line I, no, just because it's an entertainment show. I, I don't yeah. know. I'm no lawyer. What do I know? Yeah. But like, I feel like I don't know. It's not like something important. It's some stupid. Uh, well, TV to our, show. our understanding, they... it's it was the the line is that you can't um, you have to put in enough clues, or it has to be some sort of social experiment and have that value to it, where you're trying to expose these companies for not doing their homework, basically. So. That's sort of the litmus test, I think, for some legality purposes. So, but but for what you're doing, like you, you were saying, like even like Jerry Springer and that kind of stuff, they make up the lies for you. you know? Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, who gives a shit at the end of the day? Your your uh, lie detector one, weren't you like uh, on parole and you smoked pot? And yeah. You, uh, yeah. <laughs> and my favorite part about that is they um they did like a recreation scene, a reenactment scene. <laughs> You know, so they had, they actually had like a, a casting call for like struggling actors to play me and my fake lie in the recreation of the lie that I created and oh. got sealed on the show via my fake police arrest report I created in Photoshop and downloading documents on smoking gun. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. That's I know fantastic. like for for like the fake chef, we did create a like a fake good housekeeping article that the chef did, Chef Keith. It was like how to spruce up your leftovers and it was like uh you know some some dumb uh recipes in there like uh I think it was like sweet potato mushroom or it's sweet potato bars with marshmallow <laughs> topping or you know things like that and i it had a picture of me in there as a chef and a fake recipe and like we but we wrote the whole article and just kind of photoshopped it and then we just realized we don't need to go that far like we don't need to do fake websites we don't need to do fake good housekeeping articles like with chop and steel there was nothing there was just like a press release with verifiable lies in it if anybody did their homework and well i i remember too we uh in college nick and i roomed together in college and we would watch jenny jones every single night at like two in the morning and uh they would be like have have 
you and your roommate got into a fight yeah. over a girl or something like that. So we would always call it up and be like, yeah, we have. And then they would continue to call us. I mean, we were just like, we would make up a story. And it looks like, I mean, we that was down in Chicago. We were up in northern Wisconsin. So we never actually made the trip down. But we could have. And you actually followed through on it. So I tip my hat to you on mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And did you, do you experience, like, when I was, like, doing that a lot, like, the adrenaline rush would be uncanny and i sort of like for me i sort of just got addicted to it yes (laughs) like it's like i just want to get on every show and just (laughs) a hundred percent that the the thing like i I turned down shows Uh, you were sought after (laughs) yeah 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 once you're on the list you know like yeah they would just they wouldn't leave you alone they'd be like okay so you're for sure coming you know and we have you for this other show that might be good as well you know once they find a good subject they want i you feel back. like you were like the dark lord blood of maybe like the stoner guy or something you know mm-hmm. like wasn't that kind of your character on the the lie detector and yeah the, uh, the the what was judge joe brown with the strippers and the yeah yeah um, again it's just like you're they say what you want what they need like yeah. in like like on a craigslist ad and then you just create something and go yeah yeah i'm that guy and from yeah. their point of view they're just so happy oh man i my homework's done i found that guy well, I don't exactly. I don't have to search any you know, more, you know, because I'm just these, a pr- yeah. producer assistant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of these producers, especially with the morning news shows, they're right out of college, you know, because like, they don't get paid squat. So, uh, you know, they have a lot of inexperienced people. So like when, you know, Chop and Steel, a press release shows up in their inbox, they're like, oh, yeah, this will eat up 10 minutes. Like this is, uh, yeah. you know, we can sit back and relax while they <laughs> do all the heavy lifting here. So, uh, yeah, no, they they. Yeah, they salivate. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paid over that. I've been in a position like that where it's like, yeah, we just want the easier thing. Like even for our BCR party show, we'll have guests on that to that will curate clips for us and things like that. And it's like a, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we gotta have you back on the show to do. Oh, I'd love stuff. to. Yeah, uh, that would be fun. maybe we watch more juiced stuff. <laughs> yeah, see, that was another one where I almost got sued. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you yeah. had to sign a non-disclosure agreement that you're doing a hidden camera prank show with OJ, and the minute we wrapped, I was on the Howard Stern show. <laughs> it's like <laughs> fuck <laughs> these guys. Right. Fuck trying to resurrect OJ Simpson as a zany prankster, and then it's like, oh, if they sue me, that's just the OJ trial three. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, oh, that would have been great. That yeah, would have been yeah. a career move, actually. Yeah, yeah they, they never did. Uh, and then, like, probably about a couple months ago, the guy who produced that emailed me and he go, oh, we're making a video now of how we regretted making that. And we want you, you know, to come <laughs> on as like. No. <laughs> what? We're making yeah. a video about the regret of the video. Yeah, we think we could sell it. It'll be like Tiger King and we could sell it to Netflix. And those guys are just, you know, they made like uh, you know, bum fights and backyard wrestling. Oh, it's those scumbags. Guys. Yeah, it's yeah, just scumbags, guys. man. That and, show was so bad though. It was so bad. It was so poorly written. It was just, just harassing like harassing people. No, it's just premises. It was like then OJ pops out. There's like no 
twists or peeing in the pants or anything. <laughs> yeah, there, there was that one where you just walked into the room and just vomited for no reason at all. Just yeah. a guy walks in and vomits on the floor. Well, I created that because there's no joke there. So I just got, I'm just going to come in and just throw up. And that'll be the at least that will happen. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. Excuse me. I sympathize with people like not completely. I mean, we're not journalists, but like with, uh, but ultimately it's a pretty victimless crime. Like, that's the other yeah. thing. It's like, what's what was the crime happening here? We made it, like you said, it's an entertaining segment. Um, I don't think anybody cares whether we were real strong men or not who was watching. It was just like a funny segment on their show and got more attention to their news station than if we would, had been real strong men. So You, you know what was funny cares. is when we were doing uh, Kenny Strasser, the yo-yo expert, yes. me and Mark went on, on one in uh, Wausau, Wisconsin, and... Um, he did this i I think with his yo-yo no 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 he 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 hit himself in the face with like a yo-yo or something like that and then he got really quiet and then it was awkward and then they threw to a commercial and then um they were like they found out that it wasn't a real yo-yo expert so then they wanted to make amends to their audience and they're like we're sorry we got duped by this guy we're gonna bring on a real yo-yo expert this time so they brought on this guy i saw this somebody sent me the link it was like two weeks later they had on zammy the yo-yo experts they had a real yo-yo expert on yeah and i feel like people who are watching this channel are just like what the fuck are these people talking like why are we seeing so many yo-yo experts on this channel now i feel like i mean people just like barely even watch these shows but like this morning news show is like we have to make amends we have to give them a real no, yo-yo. We, have- <laughs> <laughs> we have to fill their yo-yo yearning yes exactly exactly <laughs> and then zammy their actual yo-yo expert was arguably more awkward than than K stress was. 100%. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Then, then Mark from there, he, they, from the yo yo, actually, he, he got um, the office saw him and cast because of the yo yo. Yeah. Yeah. And then so, again, he's gone on to, you know, what we do in the shadows and, yes, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Wow. No, it was, it was like, I think we had done seven morning news shows with Kenny Strasser. And then uh, I worked with somebody at The Onion uh, who was now, who was at the office. And they did an investigative report that they included me in. And so she saw me in it. She's like, oh, dude, what do you know about this Kenny Strasser yo-yo? And I was like, oh, yeah, that was us. We did that. So she's like, the office, we've been watching it in the office this whole time. And we want to fly again. So they flew us out and we got to meet all the writers and everything. And and then Mark got on the show. So, yeah. And then from there, yeah, he was on Portlandia. And then he was on, uh, you know, he's on What We Do in the Shadows Now. And he's super funny. So I I didn't know that because I think, Nick, like a long time ago, you were on uh, a show I used to do at Videology. Um, it was like, uh, just, uh, I think it was called video tale. People tell stories around videos and then y- you showed that video. And then I didn't make the connection till like years later, but it's wow. Yeah. I think a lot of folks don't know that we did the news things. I mean, it is kind of separate, but I do think like, it makes sense when you know that, uh, we've sort of like, we know what makes awkward television <laughs> having watched so many videos and training videos and, um, and yeah, where we kind of have mined and studied uncomfortable moments captured on video. So it was just uh, a different leap to just do make our own <laughs> awkward moments on video. In the Chop and Steel documentary, the lawyers came back with a settlement that you guys turned down. What was their first, what was that settlement that we, they, we they offered? That's- 
that's oh, one yeah. thing that we can't talk about. Ah, is okay, gotcha. Our, our dollar amounts. We can't like. Oh, not dollar them. amounts. I mean, I I think was it no? I mean, more like you have to do an apology here or something like that. Was it that sort of that more on that angle, like the public apology? Was was it something involving like, or was that the public apology or? No, they yeah we can talk about that because they they did ask us in their initial thing to read a public statement that said like we learned our lesson that they, that uh, we made a mockery of these hardworking journalists and we recognize that their job is difficult and we you know which it isn't it's not a difficult job and we we recognize all these you know and, and it, it, like I think we say this in the documentary but it really felt like uh, something they would. Uh, uh, somebody who had, had you captive would make you read at gunpoint, you know, like uh, being treated well here, you know, it was nothing like uh, our voice or what we would do. And and it just, so I think Joe and I were very clear from the get go. We're not going to acquiesce to their no. it, uh, nobody, nobody would buy it. Everybody would see right through it. They'd be like, Oh, they're, they're, yeah, they're giving up at this point. So, yeah. I mean, it was such a stupid frivolous lawsuit that, yeah, I mean, and then I think at that point too, Vice News was doing a big story about it, and they reached out for comment uh, to Gray Media. So Gray Media knew something was coming, and that they weren't going to look good. And so I think they just kind of caved and were like, "Okay, let's cut our losses and and settle, and we won't make them do this stuff, you know, uh, or we won't ask them to." Because uh, we had some leverage at that point. Finally, the fact that uh, a media outlet was going to cover this and and do a kind of bigger story on it we could finally say like nah we're we're, we're okay not or saying no to your demands and also we got asked to be on america's got talent so like when we're getting sued we're also getting all this press we were so on, because uh, you're getting sued you you got on america's got talent well they asked us to go on and then uh, we got on tosh.0 and we got you know fast company did a story on us so we were getting all this great press and getting all this great attention that was really actually helping our brand and uh yeah that's when i I called up ben i said hey we're gonna go on america's got talent and we're gonna do something when we get on america's got talent like we clearly hadn't learned our lesson at this point but uh and and we were planning on pushing the boundaries too far with this america's got talent thing and we did but i think you did Uh, yeah i think we did so uh (laughs) i mean i'll let you tell it but what were some of your brainstorming processes of how to twist the story once you got on stage what were some other options than the option that you went with? <laughs> or was that uh, always good? It was I always, think, well, yeah. I didn't want to do the show because I can't stand right. that show. I'm not a big fan. Yeah, of, was, uh, was, was the best way to sum up your feeling on the show is when you're watching that Wizard of Oz act on stage <laughs> and then Nick turns around and looks at the camera with just cold, dead look in his eye. <laughs> I've never seen the show. I'd never seen it. I just knew they had it was like one of the highest rated shows on TV. That's all I knew. And I was like, well, I think we should do it. I don't know what we'll do on it, but I, I well, think we I just knew it. that we were going to be like the dumb, like the William Hung character, you know? Ah, like so they, they, the they'd be on and then a lot of cutaways to the judges like rolling their eyes. Exactly. So <laughs> I was like, the only way I'm doing this is if we go far on this one, we do something really bad. And then I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't want to spoil it because it's really like, could, could we spoil it? And then we could. You I gotta say it? here. Well, yeah. Let's, I mean, I, I, I think it let's doesn't spoil it. spoil it, but it's like. Uh, 
Well, you still got to see it in order to really appreciate it. Yeah, I think it seeing too, it so. and so, yeah, yeah, let's, fine. let's spoil it. So so <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I was like, I'm not going to do America's Got Talent unless we go up on stage and pee our pants in front of all of the judges. And, you know, uh, Howie Mandel and Simon Cowell and Tyra Banks, Heidi Klum, uh, one of the Spice Girls. Um, one and, of the uh, Spice Girls. It doesn't matter which one. It, she's just known just, as yeah. one of them. <laughs> that's like, and that's how they announced her. One of the yeah. Spice Girls. And one of the Spice yeah. Girls. So, yeah. And so that for was... me, it didn't click, too. Like, I mean, I didn't, I couldn't pick quite pictures on there until that was thrown out because, like, I think the only um, and I know like people who've seen the documentary and the story, it is kind of divisive. Some people are like, I thought that was in poor taste or like you could have done something smarter. But to me, the only uh, way to combat a really dumb show is with a really dumb act. And, uh, you know, and one that they're not expecting and to just sort of like, excuse the expression like take the piss out of the, the pomp of this dumb ass show for families by doing something really gross and they really made it easy for us too because like when we got on the show they were like um hey we have your whole thing scripted out we want you to do this from this morning new show's appearance and we want you to so they're writing it for us you know? yeah and we're like oh, and no, were they, no, were no, they no, just really is... the producers really cheesy about it and just yes. like you know yes. and just have fun with it and you know yes, throwing out exactly. phrases like that and... exactly it's like no that's not how we work <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you've done you've done some of this stuff where there's like oh yeah producers <laughs> who like are media coaching you and they're trying to get Basically, yeah, they're writing, they're prescribing exactly what they want you to do. Oh, and, Harmon, uh, you're you're like you're the pro. I yeah. mean, like well, Judge Joe Brown and yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get on the Springer show, but that was like going to be my pinnacle of like because I had this whole I recruited like friends to be actors and and again, like you guys, part of the fun is like overwriting the backstory of the characters you know you might not even things might not even come up but it might be a line that references back to the backstory which you created but like when i was in springer i made it through like so many hoops with the producer but they were just writing the whole thing and they were like creating fictional elements that weren't true like their line was worse than my line because <laughs> they just wanted to create this fake tension and bring in people that weren't really in the story, but we pretend because the producer wants it and, and things like that. But um, yeah, yeah. So they were they were writing the story well, for you guys uh, when you're on America's Got Talent and you're, you're big font chop. And as little font steel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, it says like... again, was there a reasoning like backstory you created for that? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, I was at a thrift store the day before buying iron-ons and they had big ones and small ones. And I was like, I don't know, like I, I, uh, I just, you know, I was in, ch- I'm, I'm chopping Nick of steel. So I made chop really big and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna make steel little and tiny, you know, like maybe that's the, uh, well, Joe uh, likes to make me uncomfortable, so <laughs> not that I cared about my font size, but he'll buy a shirt that's way too big, or you know, so I look like I'm drowning in it, or like exactly. You know, I like, like that. I like to humiliate Nick <laughs> yeah, uh, so, publicly as much as possible. I'm glad, you, Harmon, that you you recognize that too. No, again, it's like all that. these little things, and then they always, you know, when you infiltrate, it ties back to a backstory you might have created. Of like, you know, the reason oh, yeah. why the font we, is We small. had whole story. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, we tried to like if someone asked, about... you know, you would have a whole story planned. Yeah, there's parts <laughs> where like we both grew up on, uh, and even though I was a scummy kid from the wrong side of the tracks, and uh, we wear big Johnson t-shirts that were hand-me-downs, and 
Joe was more of a rich kid. Like we had these, so that's well, another reason for the font size thing. Is like it, it was know, an anti-bullying was... campaign yes. or something like that. And I'm a former bully, and Nick is a a, <laughs> a person bully who was person. bullied. Yeah. So and it still comes across that way even in the live show. Right. So, so a lot of the stuff is pre-taped. I mean, the reason we like doing these morning news shows is because they're live. So you you, yeah. you do these lines and everything. But when you do the pre pre-taped stuff, we kind of knew that this wouldn't get on America's Got Talent after you know, after we peed our pants uh, in front of Heidi Klum. Um, but uh, I think we were on for like a half a second. But so luckily we we uh, had our own camera there that we set up and had a guy. How, how did you get it in there? Because that was Howie Mandel's uh, comment. It was like, Je Jedi you know, mind you're not tricks. To... Yeah. It was strictly Jedi mind tricks. Our guy, uh, priest, our camera guy just went through and he's like, these aren't the droids you're looking for. And just ah. uh, walked through somehow. I have no idea. It wasn't how. like a cell phone camera either. It was, it was like a broadcast camera that he had yeah. to like shoulder mount. And, and so oh, it wow. wasn't like sneaking around. He was in the audience shooting it. And then there's about eight hours of um, uh, interviews and uh, B-roll that we taped uh, beforehand. I mean, it was a full day, and we had to pee most of that day. Um, you never knew when you were going to go on, you know? But like, did, so... did, did both of you pee? Yeah, we oh, both yeah. peed. I, oh, yeah. oh, I thought it was just one of you that peed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was okay. a lot of, it was a huge puddle of piss from both of us out there. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pond of piss. Yeah. Uh, no, but like the whole day we had to hold in our pee because like sometimes they'd be like, all right, we're going to have you guys go on right now. You know, they did that at one point and we had like a bladder full of piss. We're like, thank God, finally. And uh, then they'd be like, oh, no, we're going to wait a couple hours. So then we, we, we had this technique where we would go into the bathrooms and we would let ourselves pee for 15 seconds just to relieve <laughs> the bladder a little bit. It was like a Japanese bit. game show, you know? You're, it was like <laughs> endurance or wherever that was. It was just yeah. uh, uncomfortable. <laughs> At one point, they were like, okay, you guys aren't going to go on until five o'clock this evening. It was like one o'clock or something. So we're like, oh. all right, let's just piss. Let's just like get rid of all of our piss right now. Let's just like, mm. we can be comfortable Build for a while. Up. And then they were like, oh, wait, nope, we're going to have you guys go out now. We didn't have a bladder full of piss. So we started to panic and we were like, oh, man. So we just like grabbed as much water as possible and just <laughs> chugged and chugged and chugged and chugged. And then they're like, all right, you guys are up next. And they're like, oh, no, wait, it's going to be five o'clock now. So we're like, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. It was just the most stressful day of my goddamn life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh what like so i think you hear I mean, it might be howie mandela goes oh look they're peeing yeah, uh, yeah. but it was a what, slow burn yeah. what was what was their facial reactions like the judges because we, we don't see that in 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 from your well, footage Harmon, um uh, uh i recently i can't say how but recently got some footage of like the live directed version oh wow it's never aired and obviously we didn't have access to it but uh a friend with like an inside source was able to to get some video of like what the live directed version was like and they cut to the audience and people have their mouth their hand over their mouth and it's like, like it's like the producers like in the moment yes do spring time for hitler <laughs> yeah exactly they they have some great audience cutaways they cut to the judges like i think um scary spice has her head down on the table she can't even look and uh Simon yeah. Cowell was horrified. So it was kind of funny to see their expressions in close-up for the first time. Nobody was mad, though, except for the producer who we were working closely with. We came off the 
the stage and the producer said uh <laughs> you guys can't you got to run that stuff by me like, you gotta run do. by like, oh no no pissing into your pants on stage <laughs> you know yeah. you gotta run like, the, you gotta get that approved by me yeah. first but you know what's funny is like a, <laughs> i i think some of the producers thought it was funny or it was just like something they'd never seen before because why the they didn't have to clean it up <laughs> yeah exactly well that was the part i felt bad about is that like that was one thing we didn't even think about. I was like, oh, somebody's going to have to clean up our piss after we're done. I felt bad about that. But yeah, um, the stagehands were furious. Yeah. They were mad. Good. Yeah. They were like, what the fuck? They were like screaming mm -hmm. as they should. And, and like, yes, right. I'm mad at us for doing that too. I would be very angry at that too. But mm -hmm. there's one producer who wasn't working with us, but she came up to us and she was like, she goes, that was brilliant. Let's, let's, uh, let's shoot one more scene where you guys are leaving the studio and you trip and then uh, you start peeing your pants again. So what? we they, they asked us to pee our pants again. So then we went out and they're like, we, we did this bit. We peed our pants a second time for the cameras. Oh, so, seriously? Yes, I don't think and that didn't that make the cut of your documentary make... that they no, asked well, you. <laughs> that's that's when we thought, oh, may, wait, maybe this will get on the show. You know, yeah. like if if they're shooting this like post, <laughs> like wrap up of us peeing our pants again, or maybe they're just pranking us to pee our pants again. I don't know, but well, we did have to walk back to the hotel, right? You know, we, they got us kind of the, the idea was let's have you walk out dejected, and she goes, and do you think you? She's British. Do you think you could? you could uh, uh peter pants again We're like yeah we could go again and so we did and then like that was it that was us walking out and then we just walked straight from there a block to our hotel with piss soaked pants at, so, but at that point it it was barely even piss it was just like it was just water that was just a whole day of drinking water mm -hmm. so i don't know if it really counts as piss it was hot like piss but it wasn't piss it was <laughs> the like thing that, that really yellow. surprised me is like they booked us because we pranked news outlets like they booked us because we went on and did something that they didn't expect so what did they expect like what did the producer think yeah. was going to happen that we we're going to be their grinder monkey and just do this well exactly as they scripted it i think they always expect that with people on their show it's like cause, yeah cause i think they, they think I, just people just happy to be there they yeah. flew us there and yeah. they put us up at a hotel but beyond that it was just like we got these like shitty bologna sandwich it was like prison food during the day and then you couldn't stray and you were just like always wrangled and um you know just like no bottled waters or anything you had to use all like a water fountain or something like that it was just like because they do just have masses amounts of people like you know but yeah it, they made it easy for us to pee our pants on stage did, like, did, did the other contestants comment like did the wizard of oz cast go man that was uncool or that or that was way to go guys that was i wish we i had the guts to do that we, we got the pariahs. hell out of there as yeah. soon as possible we, we were not that. welcome there well mainly because of the stage hands we thought we'd get punched or something for sure what is the takeaway from that whole journey of chop and steel oh what's the takeaway from that man I don't know. I mean, like we we toyed. We we did another one uh, a, a little while, maybe like a year later. It wasn't with Gray Media. We did another one, and uh, it was just it was a lot of work. And uh, George, we did it in Dallas, Texas, and George H. W. Bush had died that same day. So they're like, "Oh, we're not going live now because we're doing all George Bush uh, memorials and and stuff like that." So uh, we're going to pre-tape your thing. So we did another one and we pre-taped it. And of course they never aired it because it was, it was just ridiculous. And so we don't even, yeah, we never even saw that one. Uh, Actually, but, Joe, we should ask for that footage because we had I that. No, I meant to get it when we were yeah. in Austin. Was, was, was it Chop and Steel that you did or did you uh, create no, some we new did characters? a new character. Oh, we what's that? New character. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
spit painters. We uh, so we had a video of a guy who is a spit painter. So he'd like he had a public access show, and he would uh, paint and spit on the paint. And so then we were like, oh, we're gonna be spit painters too. But we would always just like hack up the loogies, you know? We'd do the <laughs> and then spit into the paint. The other guy was just kind of like spinning like a little bit into the paint while he was painting. But I was gonna go just get the flemmy ones up, and and I did do that. And I think they saw very quickly that it was all <laughs> bullshit. So it never saw the light of day, but we did again. We, we snuck in a camera guy who, who got the whole thing on camera. Yeah. Um, so, it's just, it's so sweet when you infiltrate a TV show and it airs. Yes. I know. It's Live just like, especially. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the part that's like the scariest for me is like forgetting to do a line or something. Cause we do rehearse these extensively. And like you said, like write the backstory and do all this stuff. And it's like, Whenever I would finish these, I'd be like, oh, we didn't get that one line in. And that would just eat at me for so long. I'd be like, we have to redo it. We have to redo it because we didn't get that line in, um, you know, but that's the most stressful part for me. And and it also feels like you're robbing a bank. But um, yeah, I don't know. The takeaway, I don't know. We, we're not doing these. Uh, we, we did that one and we haven't done anything. We're on tour right now. Um, we've been doing something called the two word phrase challenge recently, where we go on and I'll whisper two words into Nick's ear and he'll have to work it into an interview. And uh, <laughs> so like the, the best example is we were in Houston and I uh, whispered basketball murderers into his ear and he had to work basketball murderers into the, <laughs> the interview and he knocked it out of the park. And so, um, yeah. It always makes me nervous, but you you know you can somehow find a way. Like that one, it was like the end the end of the interview, and he goes, "So who are the kinds of people who make these videos you find?" And you know the light bulb went off, and was like, oh, they they could be crazy. They could be basketball murderers for all we know. You know the videos are, uh, you know, and you just keep talking, and it just kind of they they're not listening. Is real is the real takeaway. And uh, I can't I can't tell if Nick's worked in the two word phrase challenge into this. Uh, podcast yet or oh, not but uh um, yeah maybe we'll we'll, we'll see like, we still got the podcast left <laughs> will but, i know uh, it when i hear it uh <laughs> it might stick up like a sore thumb but uh yeah and where where can people find you find out about your tour schedule and uh watch the documentary yeah foundfootagefest.com has everything you need tour dates uh you know our even links to crap. chop and steel yeah yeah chop and steel t-shirts oh we're 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 capitalizing we're <laughs> We're, we're we're trying to make a buck here, so uh, yeah, all that stuff's on there, and we're on uh, we're doing twenty five uh, shows across uh, the country and uh, Canada. This uh, and then I think in February we're in the UK, and so uh, yeah, all our tour dates are there. Excellent, thanks so much, you guys. That was just so yeah. fun to hear the stories. Really appreciate it. Yeah, totally. Thanks, thanks for having me. And that wraps up our episode for today on the history of Chop and Steel and the Found Footage Festival. And once again, quick plug, check out the episode I wrote and produced for the podcast 99% Invisible. The episode is called Devil in the Design. Also, October 13th, come see my show Tale, NYC's finest storytelling, at the Red Room above the KGB bar in New York City. Also, take some time to like, subscribe, and comment on Comedy History 101, even leave a dumb comment. I'll read it. I'll read it right here. For example, here is a comment from someone named Shifra on our history of the Purple Onion. Shifra writes, Sad you say we will get the history of this great old club 
but you do not give real details, such as when each of these performers played there. Just 50s and 60s. It would be great to have some actual date attached to them. I used to go there and had seen quite a few of them. But dates are really fuzzy for me now that I'm in my early 80s. Thank you, Shifra. Thank you for your comment. Yes, the Purple Onion was an amazing venue. And that does it for our show. Until next time, bye-bye. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. I'm trying to use the phone. Excuse me. Comedy History 101.